You're listening to the Quiet Rebels podcast, the place to be to explore what it means to run an online business when you don't always align with the status quo. I'm your host, Meike Sang, the sustainable visibility mentor, certified trauma sensitive leadership coach, and podcast guesting strategy trainer. And I'm here to remind you that contrary to what we're taught to believe, you don't always have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. Because if anything, we stand out and make an even deeper difference when we stand up for what we believe in and share who we're supporting along the way. So if you'd like to join me and my guests as we venture into these pretty nuanced conversations where we choose to find the meaning in the messy middles of our entrepreneurial journey, then let me welcome you into the quiet rebellion. Let's get started. Hello, wonderful Quiet Rebels. Today's episode is one that I've been so excited to record because it's just something that we need to talk a lot more about. And there has been a singular human in the space that we share um, who has been pioneering these conversations. And I'm so excited to bring them into the Quiet Rebels arena today because we're going to be talking about all things community design and facilitation. And who better to lead this conversation than Anna? Hetzel. So Anna, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. Hey, hey, I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh, there are so many different directions that I know this conversation can go, but I would be so like excited to hear like what made you want to start talking about this? Because um I remember you ran a workshop probably like a year or two ago about the the facilitation work. And then since then, it's evolved into um, what's now called Community Camp, which I'm so excited to join this summer and all of the things. And so, yeah, I would love to hear your journey into this. Um, Like, Why community design and facilitation for you? Uh, How far back do we go? I mean, (laughs) wherever you want. (laughs) Um, So... I have been, I mean, we've all been a part of countless communities throughout our lives. I've had the absolute joy and luck of when I was in high school, I was part of this really amazing secular youth group. So non-religious, but when you say youth group, especially in the United States, people think church youth group, but secular, we met every Sunday and we just talked. Um, As students, we got to choose the topics and then the adults would create an entire program around conversations. And it was incredible. I really believe that that space is why I am a critical thinking adult today, because I got to figure out who I was in a really safe space. And then fast forward, I became a counselor in that same youth group as an adult, which was really cool. I kind of got to see how the sauce was made, right? Like how did... (laughs) (laughs) you know, how did that amazing experience come to be and be able to facilitate those really amazing conversations to help high school students understand, like, what are your values? What do you think about these really intense topics that are just kind of being thrown around the hallways? Um, And so just really seeing how a really intentional community can actually change someone's life and then becoming an entrepreneur and joining online communities and going, oh my God, (laughs) this could be so much better. (laughs) You know, I was a summer camp counselor. I was a counselor in this youth group. Um, I was a teacher for a really hot second. And so 
understanding how to create great spaces where people feel comfortable is not magic. I think that there's this idea, especially in the online business world, where it happens magically or that person is just naturally great at facilitation and they just find the right people. Some of it is luck, but all of that comes from intentionally creating the right space, right? Like, Mm. K, you're all about intention, right? And you take things really seriously and you really think things through. And so that transfers over to community design as well, right? Creating a great online community experience is much more than throwing up a Slack channel and tossing people into it and saying, have fun. <laughs> yeah, cross your fingers. Hope you you interact and get to know each other. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> that's right. how it plan for sure, yes. <laughs> and that's how a lot of people do it. They stop at onboarding and then there's nothing after the onboarding experience mm. or there's very little after the onboarding experience. So that's the semi- long trek of being a student to being a counselor to being a camp counselor to now being a camp counselor again in a different way with community camp (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh yes I I I remember thinking um you know on sales pages for you know courses and memberships anything that does have a community attached to it it's always like considered a bonus and to me it's always felt like a isn't it a given (laughs) you know and I almost feel like oh yeah this is just to stuff the bonus stack right and so what what you were saying earlier about kind of like the intention is so important um and to carry through your on your promise as well so what you see up front is what you get inside as well and Mm. what I'm hearing is that there's a there's quite a disconnect or it's like a lack of thought um around the community aspect of a lot of these programs. Yeah. And so actually, kind of, can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. So, so to kind of give a live example of that, that, that miss of expectation where community is a bonus, but when people see it, they think a lot of things. So when you hear the word community, what do you think and feel when you hear that word? Well, I'm going to draw some experience from a live community. Uh, Wait, do you want me to say a good one or a bad one? (laughs) Because I can bring both. (laughs) Both are incredibly relevant to this conversation. Bring whatever you want. So recently I started taking some dance classes and I'm a two left foot dorky type of dancer because I've never been good at dancing, but I would like to be. So that's why I'm there. And so there's a studio in London and um, it's it's key it's key point is diversifying fitness and not just in terms of the different types of fitness and different types of dance, but actually the t- kind of teachers that they bring in, and that you can tell that they are from all different sorts of backgrounds. They have different identities, but we all come here from all walks of life, and we're here to do the same thing, which is to have fun, get fit, and support each other. And so I was very, very resistant to the idea at first until my friend was like, come on, like this community, they are so supportive. They're not there to judge you, that they they are there to really cheer you on as you develop your skills as a dancer. And I felt that so much because like at the time of this recording over the weekend, I went to an open day where you got to try out as many classes as you wanted. Um, so long as your body could stand it. 
And the entire day, everyone was just rooting for each other, supporting each other and not dismissing themselves in the process. Like they didn't have to worry about how much space they took up. There was room for everyone. So that's what I look for in communities, whether it's in-person or virtual. And so, of course, on the flip side, I've experienced the opposite of that, where it feels like everyone's fighting for themselves. And because as a sometimes when a community is too big um, and it feels like you have to you have to be the one to raise your hand the fastest in the Zoom room to even fingers crossed get the spot to be coached. I personally don't like that feeling because it feels extremely competitive and it's kind of like, oh, well, first come, first serve, tough if you don't if you didn't get the spot, you know. So it's kind of like being able to have everybody gets to take up space without monopolizing the time of the facilitator and the leader. Yeah. So the there's a couple things that come out of those stories. One is when you hear the word community, you bring all of those experiences with that word. And so thinking about that first of example that we were talking about of like community as a bonus or as an add-on. Yeah. Community is never a bonus or an add-on. That word carries a lot of weight and we all bring a lot of good and bad experiences into that space. And so the great example of the dance studio is you had a great experience because they set up the right expectations and then maintain those expectations, right? This is a space to be open, to move in whatever way movement works for you. It's for everybody. And we're going to protect the people once they show up so they can relax, right? And then the difference with that online space where people are fighting for space and raising their hand and it's super competitive, there was probably a misalignment of expectation on the sales process and then actually inside the community where you were expecting maybe closer contact with the person who was leading it or more intimate experiences. And what you got was this like nails out fight for attention, which is not what you signed up for. And so really understanding how do we sell one, what we're doing, and then how do we fulfill that? So we're all taught how to a lot of us know how to sell a thing, but when it comes to community, it's not necessarily something that we're taught how to fulfill and deliver on those promises because it's, we're not ever really taught what it means to create community in our lives. It's just kind of happens. We expect it to happen. And if it doesn't, we either leave or give up or knuckle white knuckle through it. Right. Because mm -hmm. damn it, I paid for it. So <laughs> I'm going to show up get my money's worth as much as I can. <laughs> right. And I think especially with course creators, when they add that community add-on, that community space is actually probably where your people will learn the most. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of research out there where when it comes to learning and courses, you can get to like 80% understanding, maybe just by reading or watching or listening you get to like 95% mastery through conversation. And so if you really want your course participants to really succeed, how are you creating that conversation? What types of conversations can they have around the materials? How are they integrating it into their lives and into their businesses? Like all of that comes with community space. Yes, 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 yes. That's all I can say <laughs> really for this. So um yeah, setting those expectations that when I think back in retrospect, like that is, is because I often see the word intimate be used 
And intimacy means something completely different to many different people. Um, so I've seen like, oh, yes, we have an intimate group. And to me, intimacy is like six to, to 10 people max. Like that feels intimate where you can kind of speak to everyone without it being like many, many, many hours on Zoom because Zoom fatigue is a real thing. Um, um, but I also see intimate use for groups of like 20, 30, 30 something. And I'm like, how is that intimate? But that's, I know that's also a perspective shift, but um, because there wasn't an explanation of why that was intimate to them, like why that number in particular was intimate, that's where there was a disconnect. So when I came in thinking it would be intimate, then it felt like a oh, fighting tooth and nails, like to raise my hand to hopefully get a spot. Yeah. Um, I'm like gesturing madly at everything you're saying. Um, so intimate is, you're right. It comes up a lot in sales pitches and defining what that means. And then also really thinking about, is it numbers or is it a feeling, right? Mm. So the six to 10 it's numbers, but it's also that feeling of being, of knowing everybody who's there and really getting to hear them and support them and be heard, right? When you get to more than 12, things start to fracture. And this is like part of, there's been a lot of studies. Like once you get past 12 to 15, things start to break up a little bit. So when you have, when you want to create that intimate feel and you have more than 12 people, how do you break those groups up into smaller groups? So 30 is not a small group. Six is a small group. Three is a amazing size to have really in-depth, comfortable, intimate conversations. And so there's ways to create an intimate feel with 50 people, but that comes into the design of how you build the space. Where can people have those like campfires, small, intimate moments within a larger space? Mm. That's a really good point that you mentioned. That it's not necessarily the number, but the feeling that you would love everybody to be on the same page with. Mm -hmm. um, it's like oh this is what it means like this is what we get to do because of this kind of size and the kind of conversations we get to have etc so mm. yeah and I, <laughs> I saw your gestures getting bigger and bigger when I was just kind of going on like a little mini rant <laughs> there about intimacy and I was like oh okay I, I know you have a lot to say so come on tell us all <laughs> <sighs> so one of the questions, so cl clearly setting expectations is one of the big things. So what are some of the expectations that you found that come with the word community in your experience? Oh, that's a long list. Um, <laughs> it, it's a lot of feelings words. And when you get into feelings words, it gets really tricky when it comes to building a structure and business around feelings. So when people hear community words like, mutual concern and a sense of safety or enough sense of safety, support, uh, conversation. Sometimes it's friendships. Sometimes it's just people that you know. It kind of depends on what that space is. The answer is always it depends. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, if you're building a thousands person membership, the idea of community that people are going to come with is going to look a lot different because of the space that you're offering, right? We all have tons of communities that we're a part of right now. Probably maybe your two or three besties that 
you hang out with for hours and hours and hours. That's a very specific type of community. And we show up very specifically for those folks. Then maybe you have your family, which is a very different type of community and can be complicated and fun and stressful and all of those all at the same time. And you show up differently for that space and you know the expectations that you're going to have there. There's the business community. There's maybe a mastermind that you're in, right? So we're all these different not necessarily versions of ourselves, but different facets of ourselves show up in different spaces depending on what that space is for. So when you Mm. go back to those expectations, the first question to really ask yourself is, why do people want to be here? Right? Mm. Why? it's, It's probably not to learn how to write a great page if you're a copywriter, right? There's, there's a, you've got to like think a lot deeper, right? Why would someone want to show up in my space? What are they feeling? What type of transformation are they trying to find? Those are the expectations I need to be aware of. And those are the ones I need to help talk about. And also if there's something that maybe someone's feeling, say, you're not going to get this here and that's okay that they're not going to get it there, but they need to know this is not the space for that. Right. Um, So really thinking about who your people are, the really, really, really cool thing about community design is you don't have to make the decisions as the facilitator. You don't. Tell us more. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) So um, there's a, there's a slight difference between facilitation and leadership. Right. And I think as business owners, we're coming at it from a sense of leadership. I'm going to lead this space. And yes, there's going to be times where you're leading the space, but in terms of your community, you're facilitating the space. And that's a little bit different. That's a little bit more of a step back, right? You're listening to the folks that are inside of it. You're hearing what they're saying and you're parsing through all of their needs and you get to help guide the space, but you're not leading it. If you're leading it, it's going to fall as soon as you step away for a vacation. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So thinking about how are you asking, consistently asking the folks inside of your communities, what's working, what's not, how can this be better? As, is this, is this fulfilling your needs right now? Do we even need to have this particular monthly chat? Can it be formatted differently? Right. Being in a, community facilitation space is like your job is to just ask a ton of questions and to listen to the request so it's that what I'm hearing is when you are in the leadership role you call the shots basically and everyone follows whereas in facilitation it sounds like it's a collaborative co-creation experience for the the space that we share and as the facilitator, you sit back and hold that space as the interactions are happening. Yes, you chime in, but it's not that your word goes and that's it, full stop. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, you're more like the space protector. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah I'm a mama bear. <laughs> yeah, like protecting the people inside the space. Um, oh, I had this brilliant thought and it just totally fell out of my head. Oh, it came back. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you said co create. And that's actually another really important reason of why putting yourself more into a a protective role rather than a leadership role is giving your folks and your membership and your mastermind, whatever, the ability to co-create that space. It does a lot of things. One, they feel a lot more ownership 
of it. And so they're going to be a lot more emotionally invested, right? Like I helped make this happen. And now it's even more the space that I want. And that's going to help in the business side of things. That's going to help with churn. That's going to help with engagement. It's going to help with a lot of things. It's also probably going to help with referrals, getting new people in because the people inside feel really seen and heard. Right. Like how many communities online have you been in where everyone is shouting for something to happen? And the leader's like, I don't want to, I'm not going to do that. Um, we're doing it how I launched it and it's not going to change. Yeah. Which is <laughs> fine. Which is fine. However, that's probably not a community. That is a transactional membership space, in my opinion. Mm. Like they're going in there to get a thing and they're bouncing. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you attach community to it, it requires a little bit different of approach. Mm. Oh, I'm really glad. I love how um, the example left your head and then immediately came back, like literally in the moment. I was like, wow, like when I have brain farts, they never come back <laughs> Like in the same call. It comes back like, I don't know, at 2 a.m. Like, oh, Anna, I remember what I was about to say now. <laughs> the, uh, I think the secret is I... I think better on my feet and I'm at a standing desk right now. So yeah, I, I just helps. bounced, I just bounced a little bit and then it bounced back into my brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. But, oh gosh, this is such an important conversation because um, it's, it is important how you, cause I'm thinking into my own communities right now and um, I set expectations ahead of time in this, in the onboarding process. No, not even onboarding that onboarding is when they said yes but in the sales process when they are considering joining I make it very clear that yes this is a trauma sensitive space that I hold for example however this is not a place to process your trauma because that is not in my scope of practice therefore if you are um if you in imagine or envision that this could be the territory that you go into please ensure that if you do decide to join that you have an additional um layer of support like a different support group or um your healer of choice um, or healing modality of choice um and to support you in that because that cannot be me because I'm not qualified to right um so that has been very helpful because there are some of my clients who very openly talk about the fact that they have um therapists and sometimes the thing that come up in our sessions they'll be like oh this is great fodder for a therapy session and they know where to take it so there's no um miscommunication there about what the space is for and what I do like should that line come very close into view <laughs> and because you've set that expectation and have said it so clearly and and it's also expectation is synonymous a lot with boundaries when it comes to mm. community, right? Because you've set that boundary, even before they say yes to paying for it and getting into the program, and then you probably reinforce it quite a few times during onboarding. <laughs> and then probably every once in a while, maybe it comes in, in conversation and you re-reinforce it. That consistent reinforcement is great facilitation. If you if you feel like a broken record, you're probably doing something right. <laughs> really, because because think about the experience of, there's maybe there's a community moderator that is, seems to be really inconsistent in how they reinforce the rules. And then one person says something that's like out of line and they decide this is the moment I'm going to come in and say, hey, we don't do that here. That person is probably going to feel 
called out, singled out, they're probably going to get really upset of like, well, this person did it too. And, you know, you become like five-year-olds. It's not necessarily their fault that they had that reaction because they probably do feel called out. However, if you approach it like you're approaching it, where it's like this constant gentle reinforcement, when that moment does happen, the response is probably, oh, right. You're right. Sorry. I forgot. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take this offline. Right. It's like, it's a facilitation tool. It helps people understand how to show up in the space. It makes your job easier because you probably don't have to, (laughs) yeah, you probably don't have to deal with the, like, you know, throwing paper up in the air and being like, but I thought I could process this here. Right. It's like, well, I've been telling you over and over again that you can't. (laughs) Yes. So setting expectations and reinforcing them. And I, I, I love how you mentioned the word boundaries because um, it's one thing for us as the facilitators of these communities um, to kind of like, you know, ensure that, or not ensure, do our best anyway, um, you know, for everybody to be on the same page in this community. But there can be times where it feels like we're, kind of like the control actually no I don't even like using the word control either basically what I'm trying to say is um you know we we do need to include ourselves as a member of these communities as well we're not outside of it we're in it and so what does what can that look like in a healthy way um because I know you you have awesome soapbox moments about boundaries so can can we watch you on a soapbox (laughs) how much time do I have to talk about boundaries (laughs) as much as you want Go for it. (laughs) Um, I've been known to rant for a very long time about boundaries. Uh, Boundaries are a gift to yourself and to the people around you. Um, As an, as an online business owner, there's a lot of pressure to like say yes and try new things and like be vulnerable and be authentic and whatever the that means, right? Um, <laughs> I love how you just censored yourself for it. Whatever the <laughs> I can remember if I could curse on this show or not, so I just did my best. Um, uh, and and that's actually a really, in my opinion, horrible advice when you tell somebody no, or when you tell somebody, I think, I think the no sandwich maybe came from you, right? Where you give like a no sandwich. Was that from you? I I called it the yes sandwich, where it's kind of like you acknowledge what they're going through, but then share your request and then round off in a way that's going to be a lot more easier for them to be agreeable Mm. to it. Because I didn't, because it's kind of like, um, it didn't jump I didn't jump straight to defense because that's what happens um if we kind of get the order wrong it's actually technically it is a no sandwich it's not actually a yes sandwich because the sandwich is actually what's inside the bread <laughs> right so yes you are correct um I just misnamed it <laughs> so first line is thank you so much for reaching out or thanks for this idea second line mm-hmm. is however unfortunately Sadly, whatever the no is, and then you gently reinforce it in the last line and maybe give another option, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't, it's, it can be scary to do like when you're interfacing with clients, when you're working with a community member that's asking for something that's just beyond your ability to deliver. It can feel really gross and bad saying no. You probably feel 
worthless or not good enough, maybe an imposter or like, maybe I'm not worth the money that I'm charging because I'm saying no. And oh my God, maybe they won't come back and work with me. Right. And your brain just spirals. However, think about the relationships that you have where you understand the boundaries within which they work. Right. Knowing I show up in this way and this is what this person wants for me. You can relax into it and you show up, you do it, you interact, and then it's done. That's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful gift, right? We all have relationships where we feel like we give a lot more than we want, but we don't know how to lock it down. And we also have a lot of relationships where we want to give more, but the person has asked for not more. And that also, like, I like it when people tell me what they don't want. Yeah. I respect that. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) I only have to do like, the 10% of the hundred percent that I was going to do. Awesome. Done. <laughs> you got I'm it. A people, yeah. I'm a people pleaser. So when people are like, I do not need all of that. I'm like, Oh, great. It's <laughs> a relief. relief. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh. Yeah. So, so when it, it comes, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's just saying, uh, Brené Brown apparently is the one who said this clearest kind. Yes. And something to think about coming back to the community thing where you were saying you're a part of the community and Brene Brown just brought up this other quote um, for me. So pulling it back to the community discussion, being a member of the community, there's probably a lot of questions of, do I share too much? Do I not share? How much do I share? How much do I show up? Am I showing up too much? Am I overrunning all the conversations? Where do I make space for other people? And then it gets into that question of vulnerability and authenticity and like being open and like, yeah, this is my messy life. So one, another great Brene Brown quote is, I might misquote it, but the gist is vulnerability without boundaries is manipulation. So if you show up and you're really vulnerable, but then you don't put boundaries around it, you're just kind of like, ah, what do I do with that? The other person is like, okay, what do you need? What do you now, now? What do I do? And so being really clear of if you're being vulnerable as a facilitator, how do you follow that up with a question? How do you follow that up with a clear ask? Right? Not just my life's a mess today. Ooh. Right? Okay. Oh, my life's a mess. Even that example right there, I was like, what do I do with that? Like that leaves everyone in flux. Like how we're supposed to anchor ourselves right now. So we need an anchor through boundaries is what I'm hearing. Yes. My life's a mess today, but would be really helpful is if someone Mm. else could do this or my life's a mess today. I'm going to take a step back from the community today so I can like have a nap, restore, and I'll be back tomorrow. Right. That's vulnerability with a boundary. Like Mm -hmm. this is what is happening and this is what I need in order to continue on. And as a facilitator, you can be the role model of that. Um, Understanding how much you want other folks to share. Like if you want a really vulnerable, intimate, open space, you have to be willing to get there with them Mm -hmm. and show that it's okay, but also show where the limits of that are. I I really appreciate that you mentioned this because um, when when some folks hear that I'm certified now in trauma sensitivity, in their mind, 
some a lot of the time they they overshare right and i and i had to be trained to know when to stop the share um of course in the most loving way because actually it's not about whether or not someone is comfortable and enough to share with me because like i i seem to like sometimes when i first meet people they tell me like their deepest darkest secrets and and i'm and i'm like wow i just met you um it's cuz i i appreciate that that's one of my skill sets like i am able to help people feel safe enough to do so but there is a line and i do share this again in my programs where it's like it's not about the degree of comfortability um that matters most but it's also appreciating sharing too much or in you know to a certain degree of detail can not only re-traumatize you the the person who survived whatever you've been through but also it can cause secondary re, um traumatization for those who are watching who are witnessing you in this experience as well so what you said there about knowing when to kind of like put a cap on it and how it respects everyone in the space so it's not it's not like i'm saying to them it's like oh we don't want to hear you <laughs> it's like no no we want to hear you but not in a way that's going to actually harm you and potentially harm everyone else who's witnessing you right now yeah and i think um oh, one of my community campers called it like honest the source of nice things to say to silly people or something <laughs> <Okay>. like that <laughs> but like <laughs> silly is the wrong term in this situ- situation right of of the of the example that you're giving absolutely incorrect term but as a facilitator practicing those gentle redirects if you are facilitating a live group coaching program or a online program, how do you gently redirect to keep the container of the space? So the number one secret of community building is all about boundaries. Any community you're in has a boundary, whether it's spatial, whether it's emotional, whether it's like there's always boundaries around it. There is a purpose to why this is called a space. It's an in and out, no matter what. Doesn't necessarily mean exclusionary and inclusionary, but it's in and out. You're in, you're out. This is the space. This is the community. And this is what it's for. And so practicing how you as a facilitator want to do those gentle redirects. It sounds like you have like a lot of practice and you have the ways that you like to pull people back into this is the space, right? And so things like the no sandwich that we talked about, things like, you know, I'm really grateful you brought that up. Maybe you and I can chat about that offline, but I want to make sure that there's space for everyone to share. Right. And and sometimes we all, we all tend to monologue. I'm monologuing right now. Um, (laughs) And how, as a facilitator, do you help them feel seen and not silenced? but also remind them there's other people in this room. Yes. Oh, that is such a, it's so nuanced that yes. right there is like, oh, where do I find that balance? How do I navigate this to that point where they are seen and don't feel silenced when I put a stop to it? If they are either going over time or they are sharing a degree of detail that can actually lead to potential harm to themselves mm-hmm. and or others. Right. So, oh gosh. And so for you as um, someone who actually facilitates facilitators, <laughs> which is like, it's kind of like, you know, a counselor for counselors, right? It's like, well, that, that's like a new level of skill right there. So for you, like, even though there's no how to, um, how can we like start to kind of like find indications 
where we're getting to that point where we need to balance between the scene and the silence where like we don't silence them but they're still seen does that that make sense like what do you look for when you know you need to get to that point where something needs to kind of stop or and be redirected oh that'd be a hard question to answer (laughs) um without a specific example I think (laughs) hmm that's a good question the annoying answer is always it depends and I think the question to ask yourself is yourself the listener, not you, Mayke, oh. um, <laughs> is <laughs> um, understand what you're comfortable with and why you're comfortable with it, what you're willing to be uncomfortable about, but still can hold that space and what you are just actually not equipped to hold space for, right? So as a facilitator, you're never going to be comfortable with every single conversation, there will be some conversations that's absolutely inappropriate for the space that you have designed. And that's what codes of conduct are for. So you can kind of, you can start kind of imagining like, Ooh, okay, this space is not for discussing this or this or this. It is specifically for business or systems or um, sustainable, sustainably being, uh, Oh, the sustainability incubator, you know, like, <laughs> It's sustainably being out there in the world, right? Um, There are specific boundaries around that space. And so internally, as the facilitator, know what you're comfortable with, know what you're uncomfortable with, and know what space you cannot hold. And there's nothing wrong with not being able to hold a space. When you find a space you can't hold, be aware of it, say it out loud. And if that's a space that you wish you were able to hold, go practice and research, read books, learn, find another coach to help you teach, to teach you that, right? Um, Always be questioning why you're uncomfortable with something. And I think that's what makes you a great facilitator because you're only coming in with your experience. There's countless other folks in your space that are coming in with all of their experiences There is absolutely no way you can empathize with everybody, but there is a way for you to make sure that they feel seen if it's appropriate for the space. Mm. I like that caveat that it's like, if it's appropriate, right? Because um, of course, especially because I'm also a recovering, like you didn't say recovering, but like, I am a people pleaser, but I am rec- I'm, I'm trying my best to recover from it because that can like just lead into territory that I'd rather not discuss right now. But I digress. <laughs> um, it can feel so easy. Um, it can feel easier to kind of like let go of all your boundaries to try and appease everyone, um, especially because you don't want any conflict to arise. But being able to stand in your presence and to know what is appropriate and what is not and to be honest with your folks, set those expectations beforehand, reinforce them has been nothing but helpful like there have been times when there was a very mild conflict um in my communities and um because of how the expectations were set they resolved it right then and there like I didn't actually need to interject at all (laughs) they they made a request respectfully the other person responded acknowledged their potential wrongdoing in the original action and then they just resolved it I was like oh that's very cool okay (laughs) and so um what you said um earlier around when you are facilitating you invite people to be a part of the creation process 
and so they are more emotionally invested and like they there's a sense of ownership that they have not not ownership in the sense of like oh this piece of the community is mine but it's like no no no, no. I have a role here as well I have a responsibility as well as a member mm-hmm. yeah 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 I know that um okay now I don't want to stop your train of thought because you may you may bounce and it may not come back so what, what were you about to say <laughs> I was simply agreeing with you okay <laughs> um helping your folks find their role and sense of purpose within the greater purpose of the community is your job as the facilitator. Um, Something to bring up as we're talking about this is unequal participation is absolutely expected and okay. Um, And what I mean by this is even if it's a small group, six, maybe four, there's always going to be a few people that are just listening. Lurking doesn't exist. Listening is an active state. Um, and there's, even if you have a group of a thousand people, you're still going to have those 50 core members that make the community come alive. Right. And I think as a facilitator, letting go of trying to get everybody to engage at the same level at all times, because mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. So how can you give people permission to show up in the role that they can and want to show up? That's your job, right? The line that I just said, where there is no lurking. Listening is an active state. Sometimes that's all you need to say for the people who just want to listen and be like, you have permission to listen. If you don't want to have your video on, have your video off. Video off does not mean unengaged, mm-hmm. um, which is a big pet peeve of mine. Like sometimes same, same. I'm super <laughs> engaged, but I don't want to be on video. It doesn't mean I'm not listening. <laughs> I'm actually listening better because my video is off. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you give people permission to show up in the way that they can best show up? That's that is facilitation. Um, you can't control their experiences. You yes. can help hold them in those experiences. I feel like this needs to be like on uh, on a plaque somewhere that listening is an active state because there is so much. Um, oh, what's uh, I don't know the word for it, but um, they make it sound so bad when it comes to when it's like oh there are lurkers here it's like oh they're not it's almost as if they're not as valuable and I'm like um excuse me <laughs> like I'm an amazing lurker thank you very much <laughs> and sometimes the the quote-unquote lurkers could be like your biggest advocates and you just would never know and so it's mm-hmm. kind of like it's letting go of the attachment that what you see is what's happening there are plenty of things that are happening that you just cannot see and that can be scary for us to let go of because like oh we don't know it's actually happening but we if we trust that it's happening then the participation may be different from one or another some people like to verbal process some prefer to process their thoughts through the written word instead and um I just felt so validated when you said oh yeah I I like I listen best when the video is off because um, I used to feel bad for having my video off because I used to be pointed out for that. Oh, everybody needs to have their video on. And I'd be like, I can, but that naturally saps my capacity faster because I just have a history of, I have a history of anxiety and it still exists within my body and it activates much faster when I'm being seen when I actually don't want to be. So mm-hmm. the only other space that I've ever felt like it was okay for me not to have my video on was when I was being trained in trauma sensitivity I would say hey I'm just having one of those days my video is off but I'm here I'm present I'm going to be in the chat and then my mentor would be like thanks for letting us know 
Like there's no like, oh, come on, Maggie, put on your video. It was like, no, 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 you do you. Thanks for letting us know. So there we go. It's like the request and there was boundaries. <laughs> there was vulnerability around the fact like, hey, I'm not at my 100% where I would where um you know and put my video on and you can see me interact blah 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 it's like no 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 I'm here though I still showed up anyway I'm just not having my video on today so to take that a step before that how do you as a facilitator give your folks permission to show up in that way without them having to explain it right and I'm not saying that your facilitator did anything wrong um at all right um but how do we give people permission to show up in the way that they do and so they can just show up right and and for me, I, I, I'm hearing, and you can stop me if I'm making this assumption. I am also a person that's like, if I, my video is off, cause I'm usually like engaged and like on fire and t- dancing <laughs> around. Right. But some days I'm having just real shit days. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Can I curse on this podcast? Yep. Now I know I just need to give it a certain rating, <laughs> the, 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 the E explicit rating, but no worries. You can swear if you want. <laughs> Sometimes I'm having really poopy days, as my (laughs) little niece would say, and I just don't want it on. And I feel the need to have to explain, Mm. right, that I'm still here. I'm just really tired and maybe still in my pajamas. I just like don't want to, I want to try, but I can't try that hard, right? It's a, that's fine. But also when we do that, maybe check ourselves, right? Of like, why do we feel like we have to explain? Exactly. It's like, what would they think of me otherwise though, right? Right. Yeah, I I know that's definitely the case for me. When I explain, no one asked, no one expected, like based on what, um, like how I'm receiving their body language um, if they're Mm -hmm. not actually speaking. But I do, it's kind of like um, when you say yes to something, sometimes you don't need to explain why you say yes, but why is it when it comes to the no, and, you know, asserting our boundaries there, do we feel the need to explain that, to justify it almost? I think mm-hmm. that's the thing, right? So Yeah, and it goes into that question of, of vulnerability, right? Why are you sharing in that, in that moment, right? Do you, are you sharing it because you actually need support in a certain way? Then say that, right? Like, hey, my video is off. I'm just having a really rough day. Like, it'd be really, and if, depending on the space, right? I would love like random hilarious gifts just dropped in my DMs because I need somebody (laughs) to lift me up, right? Like make an ask in that space. And just a a little case study, whenever I do live workshops, I give at the beginning of every workshop, even if people have been in multiple of mine, there's always Zoom rules at the top. This is how we interact with ourselves. You can have your video on or off. There's no um, judgment. You can come on, you can come off, like you can blink in and out. It does not matter. Show up how you want. The times where I don't say that people justify why they're going on and off video. Interesting. Right. So it's a real good indicator as facilitators, even if I I'm a very engaging, interactive person. Um, but how can I make sure I'm giving permission to those who don't show up like me? Mm-hmm. And be okay with that and trust that they're getting what they want and also giving them space to advocate for what they need. And so when we go back to that conversation about listeners, not lurkers, um, how can you help your listeners integrate whatever they're hearing? Is there maybe a worksheet that they need instead of thinking out loud in a chat, right? How can you give them other tools 
to think about different modalities of learning and experiencing and connecting with others? How do people engage and think and grow in the world? And where is your own limit for being that? Because you can't be mm-hmm. everything for everyone at all times. Yeah, exactly. And this should definitely be a two-way street, <laughs> like meet them halfway. Right. And they got to meet right. you halfway as well. But if you're noticing that maybe the majority of the people in your community are like, I hate the term introverted, extroverted, but like are offline processors, right? Maybe they journal, maybe they write, and they want to think a lot before they go pop thing something into the Slack or share something in a video call. How can you give them enough time to prepare so they feel comfortable doing that? Oh yeah, I definitely attract a lot of folks who they don't always ask questions and uh, towards the end of a training, for example. And I am completely unattached to wherever, regardless of whether they have questions, because it doesn't say. Because what I used to make it mean about me when I was attached to it, having questions, was like, oh, they don't ask questions and they weren't listening, or I didn't teach well enough, or whatever. But I know about I know this about my community is that they take time to process they can't always formulate questions on the spot nor do they want to it's like oh yeah no I'm just just processing I'm like you didn't need to tell me that that <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you letting me know but I always I say look nothing is mandatory here you just take what resonates leave behind what doesn't right so you don't need to explain anything to me you don't have to um, you know force yourself to ask questions if you don't have them but if you have them later on you can reach me here Right. So it's kind of like, look, this is the space now as we're in this uh, Zoom room. But afterwards, if it comes up later, this is how you can find me. Right. Mm -hmm. So just like alternative options. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Facilitation is an active state of listening and responding. Right. So how are you listening? Where are different ways that you can listen? And then where can you respond that's within your own personal capacity and boundaries? Mm -hmm. And always be aware of that. Because if you start, fudging on those spaces, that's where burnout happens. And then you resent the space and then you resent the members in the space and then you blow it up in flames or just ghost it all together. All of those have happened. (laughs) Uh, Oh yes, absolutely. I definitely exhausted my own capacity before in a community that I actually, I just did not have the capacity and resources to continue maintaining and facilitating. Um, So that's why the only community I do facilitate is, you know, in my sustainable visibility incubator program, because there's a a small amount of people in there for a reason. I keep it that way because of I'm a highly sensitive person as well. And so that naturally amplifies. I see threads of emotions in other people with each other between me and them and and everything. And there's a lot to handle. So I know my capacity is very limited, Um, but that's what but I love the like my definition of intimacy anyway. Uh, when it when it comes to that, and there was something else. Like I'm gonna bounce to see if it kind of like comes back into my head. Oh, there was something else about to say. Um, hmm. Right, questions. Nope, my bouncing doesn't work like yours. <laughs> but there was a question that I did want to ask. You mentioned briefly in the um you know, a a while back around a code of conduct, right? Um, So what does that look like? And, or what can that look like for us? What does it look like for you, maybe, if you want to give an example? And how can we go about creating one? Uh, May I rant for a second? Of course. I told you this is your time for soapboxes. (laughs) (laughs) So 
I get really frustrated when I am invited to join an online community or a membership or whatever, and there's no code of conduct or the code of conduct is like four lines and it's like no judgments, be nice to each other, support each other. And it's like, this is so vague. <laughs> like, does this actually mean anything? And as a queer trans person, knowing that spaces are protected is really important to me. Yes. And when I'm joining a community that maybe I know it's going to be really good for my business, but their code of conduct is either non-existent or for super vague sentences, which to me signifies this is just something that you thought that you should do and you don't actually take it seriously. And maybe you don't follow through on it. Like that's where my brain goes. Maybe I still join the space, but I have to take a lot more time vetting everything, right? Can I immediately start sharing? What are other people saying? Who is in this space? And is it safe for me to share what I need to share in order to get the support that I need, right? Um, how much of myself do I bring to this space? It takes me a long time to figure out my role, like my avatar within that space. The flip side, if I'm invited to a community and there's this really great code of conduct, the person is like very clear of this is what the space is for. I trust that they can protect the people inside of it. I go in and day one, I'm like, what's up folks? <laughs> <laughs> um, so every single membership, live course, group coaching program, mastermind, whatever, you need a code of conduct. And when you go about creating a code of conduct, uh, a, a nice trick I like to teach my community campers is if you're trying to understand what the rules are and how you want folks to show up in your space and you kind of feel like at a loss, make a list of what you expect of yourself. How do you want to show up as the facilitator, as the leader? How do you expect to interact with people? And then just flip it around. Because if you expect that of yourself, you have every right to expect it of the people in your space. Because you know what? You're the one facilitating it. <laughs> um, and that holds you to that standard, yes. right? And it also holds everyone else to that standard. Another thing that I like to talk about when it comes to codes of conduct is these are not stagnant, stale documents. They should be updated if something happens, go update it in your code of conduct if it's not clear. And then let everyone in your space know, hey, I just updated the code of conduct. Go check it out. So it's like new, fresh, aligned. Maybe something happens and you're like, ooh, didn't anticipate that happening. Need to add that in. Whew, that was messy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and another final thing is once a month, or at some regular interval, look at your code of conduct and then go do some further education for yourself. So if you say, this is a space that's welcoming of all people, regardless of race, gender, class, ableism, um, neurodivergence, whatever, like choose one of those and go learn more. Mm -hmm. That's uh, your code of conduct is your training manual for your team and for yourself. I remember what that brain fart was, by the way. <laughs> and I'm um, just taking that moment there. Um, I appreciate that the approach that you're bringing to the table for us today, it's really, again, like we are a part of this. We're not separate from the spaces that we hold. We are a part of it as well. So being the living embodiment of your code of conduct, it gives you every right to kind of like want that from others because you've communicated it and you live and breathe it and mm, 
yeah I'm just thinking now like oh yeah need some clarity there code of conduct and it, it definitely makes you reflect on every space you've been in as a community member and also if you are someone who actually has a group offer that involves a community um you know kind of like oh what did I do there and what could I have done what can I do now that I've that I know more than before you know mm-hmm. all the times. <laughs> and, and um, yeah. what is your plan for failure so yes, yes. all of us all of us 100% guaranteed are going to totally fall flat on our faces and mess up royally it's just going to happen if you're facilitating community you're going to mess up <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> You're going to mess up real big or real small or in lots of different ways. This is the hard truth. So how in both your code of conduct and in how you conduct yourself, do you make plans for when that failure happens, right? What happens when you mess up? What happens when something goes awry? What are, what are the procedures to like both help you feel safe as a facilitator and help to make sure your members know they can hold you accountable, Yes. Like there are so many spaces where I wish that there was a feedback form about the facilitators. Cause I'm like, this space is cool. Y'all need to do some work, <laughs> <laughs> but there's no avenue for me to do that. Cause I'm like this, you, you've created such this cool space, but like, there's no way to give that type of feedback. And so I would encourage all of us to open ourselves up to that type of feedback of like, how am I as a facilitator? What am I missing? What can I get better at? What do you wish I did? Mm. yes oh feedback forms like I'm always asking for feedback and it has shaped me for the better of course it is it stings of um if it's feedback that you're like oh okay I didn't realize that but it's a big deal um Mm. sometimes it takes me like legitimate weeks (laughs) um to bounce back from feedback depending on how important um whatever they focused on was to me and then I'd think okay this isn't a personal jab. It is a suggestion. It is highlighting an area that is probably in my blind spot um, mm-hmm. to have created this reaction from this person who has taken their time to give feedback. So I'm always like, wait, they've taken their time to share feedback. So I should not ignore that. I, I shouldn't, um, you know, disregard that because they've taken the time to try to better me <laughs> in some shape or form. Right. So that's super important. And by the way, the, the brain fart thing <laughs> that, that did bounce, that did come back into my brain. So the bouncing just was delayed for me. When you mentioned about um, how we can't be everything for everyone and how we can communicate our boundaries in such a way where it doesn't leave us feeling resentful. Um, so I naturally have a tendency for my clients to be like, oh yeah, you know, you can reach out to me about this or that, right? Um, so I offer Voxer support um, at a certain um, tier as well. And I have a Voxer etiquette <laughs> um, document. And one of my favorite things in there is um, code emojis. So there are certain emojis that signal something. So the, um, you know, there are the emojis with two eyes and it kind of looks to the side. Oh, yes. Yes. So it's like the ooh kind of emoji, right? So I'm like, use this emoji if you need me to like relook at something or like you're like oh hey I'm still waiting on this still looking at this so there are signals 
in there and I, you know, addressing when they can expect responses. Cause sometimes they can <laughs> receive a response in the middle of the night um, because that's how I best, I don't respond best on a time frame, on um, a deadline. So those eyes are an indication that, okay, I know you, you communicated to me like when you, when you're likely to respond, but I do want to bump this up. So it's just kind of like some indications and signals. Um, so it's not just, it's not me getting my way. It's like, no, 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 you need to know how I respond. So you know how you can receive that support from me. But these are the things you can tell me where I can meet you where you're at as mm-hmm. well. And that has been wonderful. <laughs> like code emojis are the best. <laughs> so it's like a key for the boxer. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And it kind of brings this conversation full circle about setting up those proper expectations and boundaries and really starting a community, um, membership, mastermind, group coaching program. I had somebody go through community camp that is building a fan base around her music. And I'm like, that's cool. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, It starts with a lot of introspection. It does. And it has to start outside of business revenue goals. So how do I want to show up? What is my capacity for showing up? When can I show up? In what ways can I show up? What conversations am I able to have? What conversations am I not able to have? And why is that okay? And why is that not okay? You know, like really thinking about where you're coming from. So then you can communicate that to your people. So I was in this one community that I was like, this freaking awesome where she was very clear and direct of when she was going to be in this space. She's like, I will be here Tuesday and Thursday from these hours. I will respond to almost everything, but I am not going to even look at it outside of those times. Nobody was annoyed at all about that because we knew it going in. It was on a sales page. It was on the onboarding. It was reiterated when we got into the space and it was like, cool. I might post something Friday. She's not going to see it until Tuesday. I'm fine with that because that's what she told me. And that I'm like, if more community leaders and facilitators did this, do you know how much more relaxed they'd probably be? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's and it's and great. for you, you know, you don't work well on, you just said like with time frames, right? No. And so by <laughs> telling your folks that you've given yourself permission to work in the best way that you can for this person. She is very structured. And if this turned in, if that community turned into a space where she felt pulled into every single day, she wouldn't get anything else done in her business. So it was like, this is structured. This is when I'm here. And this is when I'm not peace y'all. And I'm like, I freaking love this. Yes. <laughs> Someone just owns it. And it's just very clear because again, clear is kind. Right. And it's kind of like, um, so there's two things I want to mention, uh, the difference between being clear and no, not clear, kind versus nice. And I also want to show um, or rather share a snippet of how this applies in my team culture as well. So clear. And I keep saying clear because of that, <laughs> because of that quote. So what I'm hearing is um, when, when you keep referring to, oh, if only more communities did X or community facilitators did X, um, it sounds like because they want to be nice, they want to please everyone to make sure that they all feel taken care of. But because they are coming from that place of trying to be nice, um, there is like an absence of kindness there from the lack of clarity. 
that seems extremely apparent. So clearness is kindness. And uh, the reason why I wanted to talk about team culture is because communities aren't necessarily just for our clients. It's also for our team as well. Mm-hmm. And so right now um, I call her the ditto to my Pikachu. So for any Pokemon lovers out there, like especially for those who watched the original Indigo League, like the first one, um, first season anyway. Um, so yeah, so my team member, her name is Annie. And we have worked together for two years now at the time of this recording. It's actually our second year working together. So that's, that's quite a while, right? And something that we do um, to kind of like be on the same page in regards to our communication, because sometimes it's like, okay, why did you message me at like three in the morning? Because sometimes I'm up that late because I have ideas, right? And so at first it wasn't like clear and like in my mind, it's like, oh, you don't have to respond. But I didn't say that at the time. So she felt flustered at the beginning where it was like, it's like, oh, was I meant to respond at 3 a.m.? I mean, like, that's not even working hours. But these days, um, you know, of course, we communicated a lot more since then. I'm like, okay, Annie, here's my idea. And I, I will put in brackets first for Monday or like forever what the next working day is or for whatever o'clock. It's like, you know, this is for you from when you start. Like, you do not need to respond as and when but this is, that comes first, right? And then there would be like a three minute voice note. And then I'll put a little arrow and kind of like do a breakdown. Um, Cause in my mind, there's another part of my Voxer etiquette. Where it's like in voice notes, it's very, it actually activates my anxiety quite a lot if I don't know what the context of this voice note is. So we put a little arrow and we do like a little bullet point of what, what this entails. And I ask this of my clients. I do this for my clients as well. And I do it on the team. And now it's kind of like, oh yeah, all right. I've got, make has got another 3am idea. Let's hear it sort of thing. Um, and now it's because I've told her ahead of time, like, look, this is, this is a Monday thing. Like if I send it on a Saturday night, for example, but I can't, I can't stifle my ideas otherwise the the excitement just goes and then it's like oh yeah I'm not excited about it anymore if I feel like I have to wait for a certain time frame so just being aware like so self-aware like all this introspection that you're mentioning here is so helpful because it it does inform the kind of codes of conduct and your boundaries that you want to communicate to others especially for the communities you facilitate so thank you for my little soapbox share there (laughs) yes I, I totally do the same thing i most of my friends don't live in the US. So we use WhatsApp all the time. And mm, it's like five minute long audio messages, right? And if there's something that's like, it's kind of like a point up, very intense rant, just be aware. <laughs> like, listen when you're able. <laughs> yeah, this is not a fun one, you know? Um, but to kind of, because we've been chatting for a while, oh my goodness. I know. So like you I'm and like, I, okay. <laughs> I think to kind of give this like a nice little like tying up of ends, right? Why would people want to start a community in their business? Generally, it's the advice given to like scale, work with more people, sustainable, repeatable revenue and income. All of that is great. However, that doesn't exist if you don't do and really think about all the stuff Meike and I just talked about for the past more than an hour. <laughs> oh gosh. I and I even said to you in the green, I was like, oh yeah, this shouldn't go beyond an hour, but like, mm, this see, no, this, this could yeah. <laughs> this is brilliant. Um so that business goal is achievable. It just it takes I think it takes a lot more work than 
there's some business coaches out there that are like, oh yeah, I just start a group program. I'm like, oh, that's really hard. <laughs> group <laughs> programs are hard. They're not easy. It takes a very different mindset and skill set to run a group program than it is to do one-on-one client projects. It's very different. It's incredibly it different. And transitioning between those two spaces is also really hard. Yes. And so if you want to achieve those business goals, doing some really intentional design and thought beforehand will get you there easier. Well, not necessarily easier. Community facilitation is not always easy, but you might actually achieve them and then keep achieving them and not like have one program and it's amazing. And then you burn out and you're like, why did I even do this in the first place? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yep. Seen many people crash and burn when they go through the group program side of things when they want to quote unquote scale and that's not the only way to scale by the way just sharing that out there but yes okay so this conversation I I have a feeling is going to lead leave all of our listeners right now singing up in awe when it's like oh wow like there's so much to consider so as we wrap up then um Anna what is the one thing that we can kind of like take away or get started with or just like because yeah we need to ground ourselves right now like where where can we start like what's the first question we can ask ourselves could be something there's two questions okay (laughs) is that okay can I break the rules of course (laughs) we're we're quite Um, rebels like we're natural rule breakers so go ahead (laughs) here's two questions (laughs) question number one is if you're thinking about or considering creating a community space, or maybe you already have one and you're feeling frustrated or burnt out by it. The first question is, what makes you excited about creating a space like that? Mm -hmm. What makes you excited? You answer that, then you can start designing around what makes you really excited and what, like, you know, fires off all those little like nerd neurons, right? Where it's like, ooh, this thing's really cool. Like you want to be excited about the space that you build (laughs) Um, instead of creating a space that maybe you've seen other spaces, like just repeating something, right? That's where a lot of exhaustion and burnout happens is, well, that person did it. So I'm going to do it. Start Mm -hmm. with what makes you excited. Yes. Step one. Question number two is what is the transformation your folks looking for. So communities transform us, right? They're not just a place to go in and get a question answered and bounce. There's a ton of spaces out there to do that. If you're, if you've made it this far in this podcast, that's not what you're trying to create. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how are they, what is the purpose of this space for your people? What transformation, what change are they looking for? Right? What type of confidence are they trying to find? And then what you're excited about and that transformation, that's the root of the space that you're designing. And that's a good foundation to make a space that's sustainable for you and exciting for your members and actually helpful for your members in a lot of different ways. I'm glad that you said two questions because they definitely are kind of like different sides of the same coin. So uh, 
yeah that's a really that's already a lot to think about but in in the best way and like you said like for anyone who's actually made it this far into this podcast yes you're our kind of people so thank you so much for joining us so Anna for anyone else who is clearly interested (laughs) in community design to have been uh, to have made it this far in this um, podcast where can they go to learn more from you whether it's um because I know you've got a worksheet you've got of course community camp where else can we connect with you um as we can start learning this part of online business that often gets left as an afterthought so tell us all the things where are all the links where can we go All of the things. So um, (laughs) if you are someone who's heard all of these ideas and you're like, great, I want to go start writing shit down because I can curse now. Um, (laughs) We could, but I didn't communicate that. So that's my point. But yes, back to you. (laughs) Uh, uh, So if you're like, I have all these ideas and I want to start putting pen to paper, there's, I have a worksheet that is kind of the first foundational things to think about when you're starting your community design. And it is at strange birds. So like really weird avian creatures, strange birds dot land, coolest domain name, strange birds dot land. I was really thrilled when I found it. Um, slash community building. So strangebirds.land slash community building. I'm sure we can put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah. No, no um, one needs to remember what these actual links are, but it's just what what they are like yeah. leading to. That'd be great. But yeah, carry on. <laughs> so it's an interactive PDF. My friend Kate designed it. It's really awesome. Um, and you can download it and then ask me a bunch of questions. You'll have my email from there. And I I'm happy to answer questions via email. That's the best way. So that's the best way to get into my inbox and then start asking me stuff. Um, you can also go to, if you go to my website, there's a whole page for community camp. That's my three day mini retreat. It's all online. It's just two and a half hours over the course of three days. Um, every single day, it's really fun. And we go through all of the building blocks of designing your community and if you like the worksheet that maybe you downloaded, there's like 12 pages of that. So it's like really gets into <laughs> designing. Like if I'm nerdy now, hang out with me in community camp. I get really freaking nerdy. <laughs> so those are the places. Best place to chat with me is over email. If you happen to find me on Instagram, please be patient with direct messages. You can direct message me, but I might take a while to respond. It doesn't mean I didn't hear you. It just means I just take a while to respond on that platform. Yes. And I love, I do the same thing, by the way, when I thought, oh yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, but by the way, unsubscribe from the urgency culture, therefore da, 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 da. So thank <laughs> you for sharing your boundaries with us right here. So all of the links to your worksheet, to community camp slash your website and Instagram as well. No worries, everyone. I've got you covered. The links will be in the show notes. So Anna, two final questions, and then I'll lovingly let you go for the rest of your day. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So this this next one, you said that you'd answer on the slides. I'm very curious about this one. So what makes you a quiet rebel? Oh, um, so many things. I think what makes how I, when I hear quiet rebel, it's also rep, rep. I can, it's really hard for me to say that word. I, I realize that I, I say rebel sometimes as if it's a W at the beginning instead of an R, like rebel, rebel. 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 Yeah. <laughs> it's 
sometimes when I do my own trailer. <laughs> but yeah, it's super hard. So that makes me a quiet person. I'm not even going to try to say it again um, and embarrass <laughs> myself. Um, I tend to be a questioner rather than an answerer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like asking people questions than outright giving them a solid answer. So consider this, think about this, really look at this avenue. Like, have you thought about this idea? Um, Here's, and it's always like, it depends what works for you. And I think that at least my experience in the online business industry in particular can be really prescriptivist. So do this, then this, then this, then this. Yes, it is. I think that's a load of bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) So like what is easy for you? What's fun for you? Because that's probably what you're meant to be doing. Hmm. Yeah. It is extremely prescriptive when I really think about it. And um, it can feel frustrating when we're more questioners and answerers. (laughs) If you go outside of the, the mold like from our conversation earlier, you feel like you have to justify it. This yeah. is why I'm doing things differently. It's like, yes. I'm doing things differently because I don't care <laughs> Yes, it's, it's- about what people have told me that I should do. I quit my corporate job to have fun and be a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's different to just, um, it's kind of like when you tell people things as if you're asking permission versus informing them that, no, I'm not asking you for permission. I'm just letting you know this is happening. <laughs> so <laughs> very different energy to come from. <sighs> yes. So thank you very much for sharing uh, your definition of what it means to be a quiet person <laughs> in, in our industry. Um, <laughs> I can definitely resonate with you there. And our final question, because I kn- we definitely went on for a longer than anticipated and I appreciate the extra time that you shared with us. So, Let's round it off with this. And I'm very curious to hear your answer, I guess, for this, which is, are there any weird facts or fun stories about you that no one else knows on the internet that you would be open to sharing? So uh, practice of boundary setting, I would say no. Uh, I share exactly what I want to share when I want to share it. And it's a very deliberate, very deliberately. So again, I'm queer, I'm trans. There's only so much of myself that I'm willing to put out into the world, both for my own protection and people seem to think that they can just ask me weird questions all the time. And I'm like, it's not what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so whatever's on the internet is exactly what I want people to know. And everything else is mine. And that's okay. Um, I think that there's a lot of pressure for being really transparent and there's a difference between transparent and like absolutely no boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Um, if you want to learn more about my weird life, you're welcome to follow me on Instagram and you'll get exactly what I deem. I want the world to know. (laughs) yes oh and I I love I love following your Instagram as well (laughs) so and I'm very interested in seeing those tater tots (laughs) that 
that we spoke about in the green room as well. I just wanted to take a moment to really thank you for just literally modeling what it what it can look like to just really like affirm your boundaries because um I'm no no I don't want to censor myself right now. Just thank you. Full stop. That's it. <laughs> this is your show. If you would like to share something, like you should absolutely share it. I I just really appreciate it because I have had a time when a part of my identity which I very intentionally privatize and only publicize in very intentional areas there was one time when that was exploited and I had to communicate with someone who was just completely unaware of that um and it was a very challenging conversation um and so yeah I think that's really something wonderful to models that you don't have to share anything about yourself unless you give your own permission to and your consent to so just yep. thank you for answering the way you have you're the only guest who ever has done that and now that I think about it should it even be a question that I ask people <laughs> because, of, because of this maybe it's something I should share in the onboarding process like hey I will ask you this question let me know if you'd rather not answer it right so <laughs> there we go that informed the process even further <laughs> brilliant yeah. I mean i I think it's a, I think it's a great question. Um, and it could be like an invitation for somebody to, to maybe push outside of their normal zone and be like, Oh, that was actually really fun sharing. And now like, I realize that's a part of me that deserves to have more space in the world. Yes, absolutely. So I think much like the quiet rebels question, which is optional, but I always ask my guests ahead of time now, like, do you identify with this? Because if not, then I can leave the question out. And now that final question, the weird fact from the story one that will also be optional now. So it's like, hey, do you want to answer this question? Because if not, that's cool. So thank you so, yeah, so you much. You can follow all my weirdness <laughs> on my Instagram and I mostly just repost my local library's Instagram feed because I think it's funny. So if you want <laughs> library content, follow me. Oh, yes. So the link will be in the show notes, folks. <laughs> like who, anyone who wants to follow Anna. So just thank you very much for your insights, your wisdom stories and your soapbox. I really appreciate your soapbox rants. So <laughs> much, much appreciated. And um, yes, this will probably not be the last time that I'll ask you to come onto the show. So just thank you very much for being our incredible guest today. Oh, such a joy. You're such a good interviewer. This is wonderful. Yes. <laughs> I'm just like fist pumping myself. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for listening to this episode of the Quiet Rebels podcast today. For any links that have been mentioned in the episode, you can absolutely find them in the show notes below. And two final things before we wrap up for today. Number one, if you do like the vibe and you're pretty new here and you're thinking, hmm, I actually might want to stick around to see what else comes up here, then I totally invite you to hit the subscribe button. And number two, if you'd like to invite your friends and to help me spread the word to other Quiet Rebels out there who have yet to find our incredible community then it would really help if you would leave us a review so whichever app you're listening to this episode on all you'd need to do is scroll to the bottom and there will be an option to write a review any words will be incredibly appreciated so thank you so much in advance if you decide to do that that's everything for today so thank you again for joining us and i hope that you join us next time so until then bye for now